0: Hello, welcome to Riot Act, uh, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and my good friend, Renvry Dedman, who's sat opposite me. Hello, mate. Hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm very well. Good, so am I. am very well as well. Very this... excited to
1: be talking about this band. Yeah,
0: so uh, this is a special podcast mm. that we do. This is one of our specials. So um, we do a weekly podcast um, where we get to talk about we review records and all that kind of Gubbins, don't we, Renfrew? In the stratosphere from, of alternative yeah, music. We yes. absolutely do do that. And every other week, we give you a, a bonus episode where we talk about one particular artist, whether we may actually have that artist on the show at some point. Which we do. In and this, case, this week, we do. Fucking uh, yes. Renfrew, you spoke to Neil Fallon, yep. frontman of Clutch, uh, just before their biggest ever UK headline show at Brixton Academy, just before Christmas. Yep, that's right. Um, about. He's sort of his process. Sophie. I wanted to
1: talk to him about his... I mean, he's one of the best vocalists and one of the best lyricists in the in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I just wanted to talk to him about his really quite unique uh, lyrical approach and style and his approach to vocals and all that sort of thing, mm. which you can listen to right
0: about. Right about now. So here is Renfrey talking to Neil Fallon from Clutch. Stick around, because after the interview, me and Renfrey are going to pick our top five neil fallon performances ever for you to uh, disagree with yes exactly and you can disagree with <laughs> can us go to on at riot act underscore, underscore pod- podcast underscore podcast on twitter and you can tell us what ignorant fucks we are but for now that's later here's <laughs> renfrey talking to neil fallon
1: you join me in a very cold room uh, apologies for the temperature yeah, it's all right. um in uh, backstage at brixton academy a very echoey room and uh, I'm sat opposite a, I hope you don't mind me saying so, sir, but a bit of a legend. Oh, shucks. Uh, <laughs> in vocal circles and in rock circles and so on and so forth, Mr. Neil Fallon of Clutch.
2: Well, thanks for having me.
1: How are you? I'm well. Good. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from playing a show later tonight. Yeah, you know, the,
2: the touring is, you know... Uh, 90, 70 to 90 minutes of work and then the rest trying to figure out what to do with oneself.
1: There's a famous, there's that famous quote, isn't there? Um, they don't pay me for the hour I'm on stage, they pay me for the 23 that I'm off. Yeah. I can't remember who said it I don't know who now. said that, I've never heard that <laughs> That's one. That's going to drive me crazy, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm well aware of that. Um, so I wanted to start really by talking about, um, really recently I read a review in Kerrang! Actually, mm. which surprised, and there was a question which surprised me somewhat, Did the, the answer to the question in that you said that you found your voice, you feel like you only found your, your voice and your style quite recently. Mm. Uh, well, recently around 2000 kind of time. So we'd probably be talking jam room, yeah. uh, pure rock fury kind of time. Um, was there a breakthrough moment um, or, or was it just a series of incremental steps towards you finding your voice? And what was it that changed around that time where you felt more comfortable in your skin?
2: Um, Well, I think I had to to answer that. I have to go back up to, you know, the early, early 90s. And to be quite honest, I never envisioned doing this for a living. Mm. Uh, It wasn't my childhood dream to be a frontman for a rock and roll band. Mm. It was just something fun to do. And um, I never thought about it. So I think I was a lot of throwing stuff over the fence. Yeah. And also, you know, being younger, you know, there was more aggression in those lyrics. And not as much humor. And coming from, you know, a hardcore punk rock background, you know, pitch and melody are, at least back then, were kind of frowned upon yeah. as being smacking of wanting to be successful. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, and it, kind of a very juvenile attitude. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I think we all went through that in one way or the other. So it took me a while to kind of shake that. And I, I, a lot of the, um, I don't know, kind of a eureka moment, I think, started when I just started recording at home with multi-tracking and and realizing, you know, pitch and melody are important and they're actually a lot harder to do than just bellowing into a microphone. And um, I I think just trying to, I wasn't, I don't think I was born with a naturally great singing voice or anything like that. It was just sort of like a muscle that I had to develop. And I just took my very first vocal coaching lessons about nine months ago.
1: Mm, Yes. How has that? It was uh, helped you and changed your voice? Has, that, has it helped? It must have helped in some well, way. Well, my
2: and coach's name is Pete Strobel, and he was right out of the gate saying, look, I have no intention or desire to change your voice. That's not why you're here. And I agreed. What it was is more about maintenance, um, doing warm-ups for 20 minutes so we can do a tour like this where we, you know, it's six shows, day off, five shows, day off, six shows, day off, Um, you know I'm much more aware of you know being vocally healthy Mm. Um, because when you get older things don't you know bounce back as quickly as as they used to yeah Um, Yeah. and also I think when when you do lessons in any kind of capacity it's sort of like then you have a bigger vocabulary hopefully by the time we, we get to do the next record there's more colors in the paint box so to speak yeah um but it's it's a, it was a real game changer for me. I'm glad I did. I don't think I would have made it through the end of this tour had I not done it.
1: Right. Is it is, what um what spurred you on to go to a vocal coach? Was it was it just sort of, you know, the natural process of aging and going, "Okay, I need to start looking after myself now." Or
2: I think a lot of it has to do with you know, this particularly on the last couple records, I've been hitting notes that I never had before. Okay. Um and then you can kind of paint yourself into a corner sure you're in the studio, you can take a break, have a cup of tea and the track again, and then you can edit the everything together and get the best of the best. Yeah. But to do that live on stage, which is where our passion lies. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be able to pull that off. It's just the long and short of it. And, um, like I said just a minute ago, trying to hit a long note kind of at the top of your range is much more demanding than just trying to sound like a monster. Of course, you know, yeah. And pretty much anyone can do that.
1: What are the tracks off of the last couple of records that are particularly, um, uh, that present those challenges then?
2: Um, I think just on the last record, the two of them that come to mind, one would be Emily Dickinson. Yep. Because there's that vocal break that's pretty up, it's about as, it's about as high as I go. Right. Um, and uh, it has an extended... A vowel at the end of it, yeah, and also Lorelai, and that's sort of the same deal. The, the The trick being, like, the chorus is is up there as well, but then the verse goes almost to the speaking voice that I have right now, mm. Mm. and having to the key is having the vocals be relaxed, yeah, and not in, not do it from the neck. Yeah, Do it from the diaphragm. It's all
1: about from the, uh, I'm pointing to my stomach now, yeah. but yeah, it's all about from the belly, isn't
2: it? The, the vocals should just kind of, the vocal cords should just kind of be just the little, the valve instead of the source. And um, you know, I learned a lot too. There's, you know The science makes it interesting too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you've, you've already referred back to the sort of early days and that sort of um, more more hardcore inflected sound that was on transnational speedway mm-hmm. leagues and all that sort of thing um and i assume that style of singing sort of or screaming or whatever you want to call it sort of came out of growing up in dc mm. and the hardcore scene and all that sort of thing um was that something that directly uh influenced you to a point that was constrictive to begin with you sort of Hinted that it was, but
2: I I think so. I mean, I I think in two ways. One, um, if you come out of the box, you know, on turbo screaming at 10, then you don't really have anywhere to go. There's not a lot of room for dynamics. And also, um, you're kind of constricted, I think, lyrically, um, aggression and anger that is it's exhausting. Yeah. And uh, sure when you're 19 years old you, have, you can easily have a surplus of it Yeah. but I, I couldn't muster that kind of emotion 27 years later yeah. I mean I have, I have nothing to complain about <laughs>
0: I, have a, I have a pretty good
2: gig here and yeah. I think also with pitch and melody it makes it easier to tell a story you, it's more engaging but if you're just bellowing and barking you don't have room for a plot arc It's just pure emotion. I think it's a very primal thing, and sure, um, you listen to some hardcore punk bands. That's what I think the reaction is because it's it's an ancient biologic, you know, reaction to someone yelling. Yeah, that gets your adrenaline up. Yep, and it serves that purpose. But that's that's not my jam.
1: Mm -hmm. The band do that really well in Clutch as well. I think I think the adrenaline comes from probably JP. Like you know, Mm -hmm. um, but like I think. yeah, it's almost as if you don't need to go down that route. Uh, you don't need to scream at people anymore.
2: And plus, I think it makes it more Im- impactful when when you do go there. Yeah. It's more surprising. And I've always, you know, been of the opinion that, you know, some of the scariest songs and intimidating songs are just one person with an acoustic guitar. I um, oh, agree. Yeah. You know, like Towns Van Zant, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see a guy putting on, you know, corpse paint, and having multiple stacks of marshals trying to look like the barbarian horde. Yep. Yep. Sure, that's got a lot of theater to it, but I don't find that nearly as terrifying as Skip James.
1: I agree, yeah. We, we talk about Scott Walker quite a bit on this podcast, and I, th- I think Scott Walker is one of the most terrifying artists ever, but mm. sonically, he's not, I suppose, <sighs> very unnerving, but he's not as sonically heavy as a, I don't know, a Dimmu Borgir or whatever. Sure.
2: And don't get me wrong, I'm not dogging it. I just think mm. that's just mm. my personal, you know, uh, you know, what I am attracted to. Yeah, you know, like the the, the Tom Waits and Nick Cave's and, and Mark yeah. Lanigan's of the world. Yeah. I think I love words and they, that fit the mood of the music. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very delicate thing to do. Yeah, um, but when it's done right, it's it's pretty haunting
1: have you heard that new Mark Lanigan album with Duke Garwood I have not it's beautiful I strongly recommend that's it I that's have to beautiful. thank my
2: wife for introducing to him me to him uh, you know he, I was kind of late to that party right because right. that wasn't part of my world growing up yeah um, but now I it's just it's cool you know it's just even you in the, being in a band for these many years there's still so much to discover
1: yeah you know? yeah it's an incredible record I strongly oh. strongly recommend it Um I'm really glad you mentioned storytelling because I was going to um, ask you about storytelling I feel like that is a really intrinsic part of what you do in Clutch mm. um, and I think you're a very very good storyteller Um and I was wondering if, w- where that came from I, I understand that you grew up with a lot of folk music and that was my um that was what I thought it might come from but where do you think that, st- that desire to tell stories comes from in Clutch songs?
2: I, I think, sure, oh, well thank you for saying that, that's very kind. Uh, my parents' record collection was very typical of their generation. A lot of Dylan, <laughs> Emmylou Harris, Beatles. <laughs> um, but I remember, you know, even at a young age um, really being taken with songs like uh, what, uh, Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Which is just seven verses with no chorus, and it tells a a heartbreaking story and it was one of my dad's favorite songs, and that's why I knew it mm. so i think i um, i I liked it growing up and then uh i think and then I tried like like I said early on, like you listen to that first record and maybe even the stuff we did prior it's it's much more emotionally driven and you can be very vague mm, you know mm-hmm. and, and it's um I like lyrics with a lot of nouns in it, yeah, and places, and you know something that's very tangible, but it still ambiguous enough that the listener can still wonder, you know, what the heck exactly yeah. is going on, but you don't want to give it away, yeah, because if you, everything is described perfectly, then it's kind of dead on arrival. Yeah, it's so, nice to have a bit of mystery, isn't it?
1: I mean, that's one of the
2: things like I love about Tom Waits. It's like his lyrics. It's sort of like you're looking through a dirty window, yeah. And okay. you can kind of you see what's going on, but you don't know all the details. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's something that you know I strive for. Sometimes I'll write a line, and I don't know exactly what it means, but it sounds good. Yeah. That's sort of like the glue that can holds together. You know, the the one or two things that I really want to get into the song, for whatever reason.
1: That's that's interesting. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call those bits sort of. Turns of phrase I think mm. uh, in terms of um, getting a phrase and putting it into a song I think you are one of my favourite lyricists for that for just picking out cool lines and mm. going I don't necessarily know what that means but yeah. that is fucking cool well, um, where do those lines come from um,
2: yeah I'll tell you this if I I have I do most of my writing um, in my basement uh huh And nine times out of ten, if I sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write lyrics to this song, nothing happens. And then I might drink some beer and might think it's brilliant at the moment, but then I wake up the next day and realize it's garbage. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think the inspiration happens, it just kind of falls out of the sky when I'm not trying to write a song. Um, Sitting at a red light, doing household chores. Yeah. Sometimes the subconscious just... Taps you on your shoulder in the shower. It, sure, in the shower. That's and that's the most inconvenient because <laughs> you can't take your phone in there or a pad and paper. Yeah, um, and I think it's important to be a good listener. Uh, eavesdropping is sort of like part of the gig, like listening to people's conversations or listening to the TV, um, not for you know the drama, but for strange phrases yeah. um, and sometimes you know you gotta, I think it's important to let the rhyming and meter do a lot of the heavy lifting like for example Lorelei that song originally I wanted to write a song about Marcus from a shogun named Marcus ah. in his sunset years Oh, cool. and I was looking for a rhyme for samurai mm. and I have a rhyming dictionary which I, there's no shame in that it's just a tool absolutely not um, and I saw Lorelai, and I said, "I kind of know what that is," so I looked it up, and then I realized that that character was much more fitting to the mood of the song. You know, oh, Marcus okay. is sort of a comical figure, yeah. But the the atmosphere of that song is there's no comedy in it. Yeah. So then it was like, okay, this is then it all kind of just fell immediately together. Um, there were some artifacts from the original draft, like writing elephants to victory was a allusion to the elephant rider so it was sort of like um it was a bit morose maybe too much so because I was questioning you know I didn't want it to sound too much of a bummer yeah but it makes I think sometimes it's cool to just let that kind of just lie there yeah um and there's been countless times where the rhyming dictionary has bailed me out
1: yeah yeah That's a very cool idea, that idea of sort of returning to characters in previous songs and stuff. Is that something that you've done a lot or want to explore further? I've
2: I've only recently started doing that because I've always thought, like, nostalgia was an admission of defeat in a lot Mm. of ways. Okay. I always... I think the creative impulse is always wanting to find something new. Yeah. But at the same time, I realise there's tons of characters in these songs and they've only been given three minutes. You know, so... Yeah. Um... You don't necessarily have to talk about them, you know, in their sunset years. You could... Mm. I hate to use the word prequel, but, you know, you could do something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's fun, too, because they're, they're already kind of ready-made.
1: Yeah. And also, surely, you know, 20-year-old Neil Fallon might have a different perspective on Marcus than 40-year-old Neil Fallon might. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure. That's I would have thought.
2: I mean, I and an example of that would be... Um, on Psychic Warfare, there's uh, X-Ray Visions and Firebirds, which I always yep. considered parts one and two. Yep. And then In Walks Barbarella is part three, 25 years on, where that character from those songs is now telling his son his advice from, you know, what he learned from his salad days pitching up, picking up hitchhikers. And I would have never written that Twenty-five years ago, because the idea of fatherhood was just completely alien to me. But yeah. here I am, yeah. and it's been one of the most creatively um, lucrative things I, that I. And I never expected it to be. So I thought becoming a father was going to be your creative dead end. Mm. Yeah, because that's you're, now you are supposed to just sit in the armchair, you know. Yeah, yeah. But when you are when you are tasked with explaining how the universe works to someone. It forces you to think in ways that you never would have otherwise. And that's that's great for lyric writing.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I love that idea of um, themes going through the albums and stuff like that. I think something that you return to a lot is almost a sort of you were just saying, that almost like a 50s sci-fi B-movie kind of mm-hmm. vibe or, or conspiracy theories or stuff like that. Is that, um, is that simply because those are themes that you're interested in that you want to write about, or is, is, is there an idea to have an arc over Clutch's entire discography? Do you ever consider that when you're writing?
2: No. Um, I mean, I guess it, if there is any kind of arc, it's just a reflection of my personal interests. I mean, I love well, science fiction. yeah, um, And I'm always a little wary of trying to make it too academic. Um, very few, I mean, if you take the idea of a concept record. Mm. I think very few of them work Mm. because the songs become subordinate Mm. to this overarching thing. It has to be loose. For example, I think the perfect example is like Dark Side of the Moon is a vaguely conceptual record where every song was about one thing Mm -hmm. and it works brilliantly. Mm -hmm. And then Roger Waters' Radio Chaos, it was like, okay, this is a play, this is a soundtrack to a play that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's... um, You know, there's some examples that it it does work, but I think the song should always take priority. Yeah. Each individual song. And if it happens to have a theme, great, but don't force it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, I feel like there are areas that you will go into as a lyricist that others wouldn't even dare to go into. So, for Mm -hmm. example writing a song which is basically a recipe for crab cakes. <laughs> I have not seen that before ever, yeah. you know, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Is there a desire within you to constantly strive for something different, and do you think that's been part of Clutch's longevity, uh, making it interesting for you, at least?
2: I, I think so. It has to be interesting to me. You know, otherwise it's disingenuous. Yeah. you got to write for yourself. you got to write music for yourself and the, your friends, and by extension, fans are a type of friend. You, yeah. you may not have met them, but they they like they like your music, and that's yeah, yeah, an extension yeah. of yourself. Uh, but that always started with just being yourself. Hmm. Um, and uh, what was it? I kind of went well, on a just, tangent there. Um,
1: um, is that um, part of? Do you do you strive to find new th- oh, new yeah. ways of doing things as opposed to the? You know, for sure I, I
2: like to look at when I finish a draft and I look at it on paper without music yeah I think sometimes that's a good test like that word shouldn't be in a rock song yeah and that's exactly why I want to put it in there right right in that case in the hot bottom feeder that was just a uh, the child of desperation we had an extra day of the studio oh, right okay. we threw together this song in a day and I suddenly had to come up with lyrics then right and just on a side note and it's kind of interesting that was a recipe that i was taught uh, while you worked at a seafood market when i was a teenager and i tracked it and vance powell who uh recorded the record said i something to tell you i was going to tell you beforehand but i didn't want to bug you out he also records sea stick steve oh yeah and he said he was in the same predicament he had an extra day And so he wrote a a song and um, did his biscuit recipe. Right. And oddly enough, he used the phrase biscuit cutter in his song as well. Right. And I just thought it was so outstanding that, you know, the same producer recorded two different artists that haven't met that were both in the same situation and they both arrived at biscuit cutter. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so improbable.
1: But I think, so So those lyrics were effectively written in one day? Yep. Wow. That's very impressive. Sir. You know, sometimes, you know,
2: those, the, be- the songs that seem to have the most longevity are the ones that write themselves really quickly. Mm-hmm. The ones that are real problem childs, mm-hmm. they kind of, they don't get played as much. Mm-hmm. Um, the best songs just write themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's been times when we, we may like a riff, but it's just not happening, yeah you know it, yeah, and maybe save it for a rainy day, i guess
1: yeah 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 there's a... um i've always uh, I know at the time when it was recorded, it was sort of a throwaway moment for you, but I've always really loved the performance and delivery on um careful with that mic, mm-hmm. and I know that um it was sort of uh <sighs> mocking, taking the piss out of the um uh, rap rock that was going sure. on at the time. Yep. I was just curious if there's anything these days that aggravates you in terms of vocals. Um, is there things that lots of people are doing, which just grinds your gears in the modern world? Um, in any, you, genre?
2: using, you know, auto tune and vocoder, you hear it a lot m- more on R and B, you know, as an effect.
1: It's creeping into rock and pop. Yeah,
2: and I've, I've, I've heard it. Mm. And I, I hate it. Mm, I'm I, with you. And I, for a number of reasons. One, I think it's making people... Um, it's making their ear... Their ability to understand pitch, it's atrophying their ability because everything is right where it needs to be. Mm. And honestly, perfection is boring. Yeah, I agree. I, I think imperfect, that's where the beauty happens. You know, most... Take, for example, Frank Sinatra. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but his pitch was terrible. Mm -hmm. And that's why people liked it. Um, It it created an emotion. And um, also, I think, you know, uh, what really grinds my gears, (laughs) to use your phrase, I'm going to start using that more often, I like it. (laughs) Um, Bands playing to backing tracks live on stage.
1: You're singing from my hymn sheet to give you another phrase. To use. <laughs> Uh
2: I don't think. In it, I don't know. If, and here's the thing that I think it, um, gets my hackles up. To use another <laughs> one, uh, even more is I don't even know if this generation cares.
1: Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know, and I see these bands go on, and they just basically do a karaoke, <laughs> and there's. Vocal tracks in the back. There's other guitars. There's things happening coming out of the PA that aren't on stage. Yeah. And there's a word for that. That's called a lie.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, it's certainly well, it's certainly not live music, is it? No. And I think I I, I think this gen I think there's a generation that's grown up who's just sort of used to that, mm-hmm. and that's why it doesn't bother them, but. It, it, it infuriates me and so, yeah I can understand that completely yeah
2: it's just um, you know in, I guess in, in this day and age it's easy to go in the studio and do all sorts of wizardry Yes. and suddenly the song um, you, you've shackled yourself to that mm. wizard and you can't reproduce it mm. uh, without having a laptop on stage with you Absolutely. Um, and yeah. if that's your gig, if you're if you're okay with that, by all means. But me, it just it smacks of disingenuous and
1: seems to be the polar opposite of what Clutch is about. I think you know. You know and
2: uh, for example, you know when we did In Walks Barbarella and we had the horn section on it, that was the first question we asked. Is that we're not going to be able to get horns every night? Right. Is this song still going to work without it? And it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but never once did the idea of playing to canned horns come yeah. up we yeah. will it, we're not going down that yeah. way
1: yeah 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 well finally i just want to wrap up by asking if um there is one particular song or one particular verse or anything which you if you look back at all 12 clutch records that you're particularly proud of or where you went i really nailed it there mm-hmm. or or anything like that you know
2: um well, you know, um, everyone's their own biggest critic, and I'm no different. Um, okay. I think, to me, the self-titled record there's, you know, I, I know personally I can sing circles around those performances, um, cause that, but that record, I think, is what set us off on the trajectory that we're on now. Absolutely. We made a, there was a fork in the road, and we decided to go a different direction. We lost a lot of Clutch fans. Yeah. You know, but you know what? We gained a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, but the pentatonic blues, uh, forms and more classic rock, you know, and we grew up listening to that. It Mm -hmm. was much more sincere and natural for us to play that way. And that's when I think the lyric writing style that I developed, that's kind of when it started. Um, you know, big news one, I think was such a, or space grass, it was such a strange thing, Mm -hmm. but it, it opened the doors yeah. to, to the place that we are now.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Neil Fallon, thank you so much for your time. Hey, my pleasure.
0: Thank you. All right, hooray, Remfrey! You spoke to Neil Fallon, you lucky bastard. Yeah, I was meant to do that. Yeah, but you I were mean, ill, that weren't that you? I was really, really ill. It takes a lot for me to not want to speak to Neil Fallon, but, you know, I, what a fascinating gentleman. It was fucking great.
1: <laughs> I'm not so. going to lie. It was a lot of fun.
0: Well good i'm really happy i'm happy with the result that we got as a podcast so before the interview we said um we're going to close this special up by chatting about our top five favorite neil fallon performances so this just to be clear it's not our favorite clutch songs per se no but it's actually to do with neil fallon um and his his actual performance on those tracks yeah
1: specifically what he's done and what he brings i mean he brings so much to to, i think we should just start off by saying there's a lot of bands who try to emulate clutch aren't there Mm. fucking loads Loads. like there's there's entire scenes that have sprung up effectively trying to emulate clutch Mm -hmm. and none of them managed to reach it and i think a large part of the reason not Wholly, but I think a large part of
0: that is because no one is as cool as Neil Fallon. Oh, unique is Neil Fallon. It's or true. Unique. So what was yeah. your criteria for when you were picking these songs in? Do I like them? And why do I like them? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah,
1: just like, just, just, just moments. I mean, we should, we should also say that like we could have picked 30 yeah. or 40. Yeah,
0: We had a right old time trying happened. to, yeah. Just Tick trying down to down narrow it down. And we Um, tried to deliberately not pick the same song twice, so we actually know each other's list. And I'm going to let you start, if you don't mind. Lovely stuff, okay. So what's your first pick? Well, I'm going
1: to go um, with a song from uh, Robot Hive Exodus, which I actually think is not only one of my favourite Clutch albums, but it's probably my favourite Neil at his peak, in my opinion. Um, And I love the track Burning Beard, which is the second song on the record. Yeah. Um, And it is just... I think it's primarily just, like, how cool... He sounds like rather than saying lyrics for like the second verse or something like this, there's this amazing part where he talks about the Holy Ghost and then does this real woof 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 and the three dogs that are looking at him through the window and stuff like this. Just these amazing lyrics. I, I don't even really know what Burning Beard is about, I've never even looked it up, but like it's just the imagery that he collects and then he's like the power of the Holy Ghost and does this incredibly low vocal, like, Oh, Which actually,
0: he levitates. If you've seen the video, he levitates when he does. Like oh, does he? Yeah. That's so fucking he's like cool. A he's like a preacher. That's it's, so cool. It's really good. It's yeah. just like, it's just a choice
1: that I can't think any other, vocalists would make and yet when you hear it you go well that's the the best choice there are no better choices than that and mr fallon you have made it and i think neil fallon does that all the time yeah where once you've heard his version of it you go okay that's the ultimate version you could give that song to any other vocalist in the world and they are not going to improve it
0: yeah it's true absolutely true yeah good pick that good pick i might have had that myself if you fucking hadn't love them, it but it's really good well that will happen quite a lot with this list <laughs> <Yeah. we're laughs> okay fine um my first pick is uh is power player i a power player from uh from bill street to oblivion now yeah. not the best clutch album clutch are a band no. who, who basically deal pretty much solely in fucking great records yep but um i'd say from bill street was the first kind of dip post kind of uh, robot hive exodus which is a you know for well we disagree
1: on this but we're not going to get into it now <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: um and uh i thought from bill street was a bit of a dip obviously it's got um electric worry on it which has yeah. become like an absolute anthem of theirs
1: they did a couple of records in a row which was super super bluesy yeah. and uh quite a lot of the the uh i suppose people coming from the metal scene just I mean. just weren't as into them as, yeah. as like the strange
0: cousins for me is the one where i'm really not that into it it's yeah the, it's the only one I um yeah and i think it's pretty good yeah. but power player i mean it does something that neil fallon does amazingly which is put himself in character in a situation yes. yeah. so he is basically you you listen to it and you you never think for a second neil fallon is writing this from neil fallon's point not of view in a million years, it in is it. written from an obnoxious rich yeah. person on an airplane yeah, yeah, yeah. um I'm a power player. I'm a power yeah. player, and the way he delivers those lines with almost like, you know, when you sort of take the piss out of someone, yeah, when you're when they're like when they think they're really cool, and you kind of go, ooh, ooh, "I'm really cool." He <laughs> <It> almost <laughs> sings this song, yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a power player. I'm a power. Like, like yeah. I'm not giving you attitude. I just want another drink." And it's almost <laughs> like it's like it's so. You you can see it. You can see Neil Fallon playing this dude sat in an aeroplane kicking off and yeah. being just an obnoxious prick and like there are oh, i was gonna say there's not many um artists there's a few artists that can paint really vivid pictures i'm not sure there's many artists who can paint like nick cave's one of them yeah uh, who can paint a picture of a place and it'd be really really evocative very vivid and yeah yep. really really vivid and you know uh you know people can make you can write really poetic lyrics and they can write really beautiful lyrics and they can write things where you go like, what does that mean and that's really and then you go oh yeah 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 but not many people can convincingly write a scene and it be like that's the scene and it be completely believable yep. uh but clearly you know ridiculous you can picture every single detail of where he is and what he's doing on that song it's fucking great so good so great so anyway yeah that is my first one uh power player um i
1: pick which is probably going to be quite obvious and i think it would be uh, absolutely astronomical if this wasn't on anyone's list in terms of an amazing neil fallon performance but um, careful with that mic from pure rock fury yeah um just this idea that this song came from uh, a limp biscuit, a, yeah limp biscuit basically so effectively it's neil fallon just like mocking so this record came out in 2001 when new metal was at its height and just like it's neil fallon mocking um new metal basically and mocking people who were like adopting uh a lot of white rockers who were adopting rapping and stuff like that and doing mm-hmm. it let's face it in a lot of cases in most cases very very badly yeah um and like this song came about basically as a joke and neil fallon didn't want it on the record like the other members of clutch had to because he was just like it's just a Fuck about, basically. Mm. The other members of the band had to convince him to put it on, which is amazing, it's startling when you think about that yeah, now.
0: I mean, it is so unbelievable. This it's, performance, it would be the pick, I think. It's
1: incredible the the speed and the flow and the rhythm mm. with which he spits out these rhymes. <laughs> that was the whitest thing. um <laughs> But the, the the way that he it, it, it's it's unbelievable. And if you actually sit down and look at the lyric sheet the stuff that he's saying is yeah. fucking hilarious as well like um uh your styles like garbage cans meant to be taken out on a weekly basis and stuff yeah. stuff like this you know and it's so poignant and so i love this bit where he talks about um this is really good ice cream do you want some of it oh my bad i didn't know you were lactose intolerant yeah. it's like what the fuck yeah. it's just it's just but the, they're spat out so quickly and so clearly and concisely it is as impressive as um, we were, we had, it was Ocean Wisdom, Ocean Wisdom. wasn't like a guy who's like the broken, fastest the fastest rapper in the world. I think even Ocean Wisdom would be like impressed with what Neil Fallon is doing yeah. on this track. And considering that's not, uh,
0: he's never even attempted. He's to never even attempted. like that again.
1: Yeah. I, 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 and like, as far as we are aware, th- this is not a wheelhouse that Neil Fallon sits in regularly. No. And yet he could just, do it like that, it's mad, isn't it? and the way that that mocks that new metal generation doing that, and just like, well, I'm just on my first attempt. I'm going to do it ten times better than you could even imagine. It's perfect. It's so brilliant.
0: Yeah, it is really, really, really phenomenal brilliant. song. Although this, I think for me, the next one is more of a, I guess what you would think of when you think of Neil Fallon when he's booming and he's got this like. He manages to tread a line between being like a hard rock singer, a preacher, and like a, a leg shaking Elvis old school rocker. And mm. on DC Sound Attack oh! from uh, from the the Earth Rocker album, oh. uh, that that is so perfect yeah. I mean I remember actually it was one of the first interviews I ever did with a band I think it might have been the first interview I ever did with someone from, from a band was with was on that album it was with J.P. Gaster the drummer nice. and I remember talking to him about it and going like there's such a wicked you know DC Sound Attack musically like we, we shouldn't go into it too much musically but it's this wicked like mixture of kind of Stax era soul funk a bit of bluesgrass, blues and and like DC punk rock, like yeah. bad brains and stuff. And over the top of it, Neil Fallon playing politician yeah. and playing kind of um, like just roaring. Like, again, you know, both of my picks so far have been Neil Fallon hamming it up to shit. Mm. And like on this, he absolutely hams it up. And it's just, it's just the. The bits where you feel like probably were what you know were were ad libbed completely in the studio in the rehearsal room, turning into the nucleus of the song. Him just going DC sound attack, let the rhythm hit him like that sort of stuff. That is like it's got as much to do with James Brown as it has Johnny oh, Cash yeah. as it has fucking uh, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the like. A, Ben Ward from Orange Goblin Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. to be able to amalgamate all three of those things in one song is fucking brilliant and well, it's just such a great song and when they play it live he plays such an integral part in keeping the rhythm in you know when he brings the cowbell out and he yeah. starts playing it yeah. um, it's and you know like he's he's just such a although musically that song is one of the most interesting clutch songs I think Neil Fallon still completely dominates it Yeah,
1: he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best songs of the Latter-day Clutch. Not that Clutch have ever gone downhill, particularly because I don't think they have. But, like, one of the best songs on a Latter-day Clutch album by a mile. Like, one of the first songs I would give someone to go, this is what Clutch are. You know, just an incredible, incredible song. Yeah, Um, it's good. What's your next pick? My next one is Prophets of Doom from Mm. the absolutely classic Blast Tyrant, which I imagine will be coming up again at some point. It will. Um, Partly wanted to choose this just because... Again, Neil sounds a little bit different on this song in that yeah. he's singing quite, it begins in quite a low register, like going kind of like, born with a mustache and a supernova, mm. you know, that really, really low register. But then <laughs> the, the moments where the entire band just sort of stop, um, and he, he has that bit where he's like, um, washed up on a faraway shore in the arms of the daughter of the buffalo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is just so fucking cool um and his lyrics again like swallower of planets the prophets of doom like the the imagery it conjures up quarterly projections the prophets of doom it's i just I, i i love how he takes themes and wraps them up in in a world of his own almost he's talking about genesis and exodus and leviticus and numbers gideon is knocking on your hotel while you slumber you know yeah. and that just brings up images of the gideon bible and all this kind of thing and i mean i think a lot of the time it's just i think we've talked about this before where he just has phrases that he writes down which he just thinks are cool and then tries to think how he can mm. put them into songs but he does that so incredibly well um and yeah i just wanted to bring something in which is him singing in a bit of a lower register and yeah. like just just a, a wonderful, wonderful song, Bob do mm. on a wonderful record.
0: Well his register actually is, is a big part of why I picked one of the next songs. Ooh. So I picked Firebirds from oh, Psychic yeah. Warfare. Uh, I love Psychic Warfare. I think it's maybe after like it's got to a point where it might it's become one of my i mean a lot of all the clutch albums are kind of go-to albums but i play psychic warfare a hell of a lot i mean that opening track i was going to pick the the, the title track from it uh, well no not the title track. x-ray visions um uh, did that because someone else picked that but yep uh yeah well, <laughs> okay well, i'll say that for the minute but um but yes but yeah because you picked it <laughs> <Basically>. and um <laughs> spoiler alert and uh, uh you
1: told me privately that this is your second favourite clutch record I think it is my second
0: favourite clutch record uh, absolutely madness nah but it's fucking brilliant it is great brilliant. but Madness. But yeah. sure. Okay. But you know, like, it's got something like Sucker for the Witch. Oh, yes. Which is uh, brilliant. a brilliant. Great song. Um, I'm a sucker
1: for the witch.
0: Yeah. And yeah. um we should we but, probably should have put an uh, uh, uh,
1: apology at the beginning of this episode saying there's going to be a shitload of us impersonating, impersonating Neil, Neil Fallon. Fallon. Yeah. So but, apologies about that. But I mind. love
0: Firebirds because, I mean, one, it comes out of. It comes out of X-ray vision so brilliantly, like a boom. And that like guitar riff comes in, you're like, oh. This has got me, and then Neil Fallon just kind of slides. His, he he slides into that song. Do you know what I mean? Like it's the a world. I don't actually know. I can't remember the, the opening line to it, but he, the, the way he just slides into the the first line of that song is brilliant. And then when the chorus comes in, he goes so high, so it, his voice goes up and down and all over the place. In that yeah. is that like, probably like. Farber. Energy weapons. I don't. And he, it kind of like it's like his voice like falls down the stairs. I don't know how you could dare. Do. I don't know 'cause I'm too much of me. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, he goes up and he goes down and he goes up and he goes down and it's a really, really, it's really cool. Like when I'm getting flashbacks to interviewing every, him, it is, yeah, it is yeah, like yeah, I'm sat him. Uh, like, but but everything about um, Neil Fallon, obviously lyrically and the tone of his voice that you think he's got this big booming voice. But when you actually listen to the cadence and the way that he changes his voice so radically throughout songs, like you were just saying on the last one, like that's something that doesn't get said that much about him, that he, he's very, very versatile. And I love, he's really, really versatile. And Firebirds is like, so kind of top to bottom i mean there'll be another one coming up which i think is the kind of the gold star of him doing that but I've, i i love this record mm. and i i do love this song and i think you know kind of this with extra visions back to back is fucking yeah that's a killer way to start it's record. an amazing
1: way to start a record absolutely 100 yeah. percent um my next pick has to be uh, another one from robot hive um Gula um i just love the again sort of going back to religious imagery and stuff like that this is mainly a lyrical pick and just the way that um neil fallon he obviously loves words and he Mm -hmm. loves the way they sound and the way that they make shapes in his mouth and like how it actually feels to sing them as well and stuff like you know ain't no doubt jesus sees us and all this kind of like like Uh, this is one of my favorite lyrics i think it makes me laugh every single time it's not very PC, but a gog with spastic baskets the latest (laughs) fashions here i am here i am here i am it's just so fucking cool and then you babble rabble rousers in polyester trousers (laughs) makes me laugh every time as well um ain't no doubt vishnu missed you like i just i just love like yeah it's great it is nonsense maybe i don't i don't know if it's nonsense or not but It is just, he's just gone, that sounds fucking cool. And I like the way that not only it sounds, but the way that it feels coming out of my mouth. Mm. And I feel so cool. Well, I don't know if that's how he feels, but like it feels so cool to sing it that it's like inevitably you're going to look cool as fuck doing it you know um and yeah just playing around with all these words and stuff i think that's something which a lot of lyricists don't actually think about no, enough true. just yeah. how cool stuff sounds and guller is just full of that it's, it's him like him Buck- him and keith
0: buckley do keith buckley really i does that so so brilliantly yeah, yeah. so um i'm going to stick on the kind of um the changing of Neil Fallon's voice within songs, because my next pick is from Pure Rock Fury, Open Up The Border. Yes. Which is an absolutely killer song, and he starts really, really down low. And when I first heard it, I was... So So it's the uh,
1: anti-Brexit song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: So on first listen, like, I remember hearing this when I'd never seen Clutch live, and I thought... I wonder who's doing that backing vocal. Oh, right. <laughs> and you go and see Clutch and there's one microphone on stage. Yeah. Right? They don't have, it. Neil Fallon does it everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like he does everything. And I've seen him play this song a couple of times and he does, he can do that. Open, open, open it up. Open it up. Open it up. <laughs> Let him for the tree. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's just the way that I mean, there's so much about this song, which is brilliant. There's yeah. that, which is amazing. Yeah. And I was like, that has to be two different people. His voice changes so much just in that chorus. That has to be two different people. And then you find out it's not, you're like, my God, that's really, really impressive. And, um, two rivers running green, green, like the way, yes. like people, when they, there's putting a delay on your voice. And then there's actually saying, like giving you doing the delay yourself. Yeah. And he kind of does the latter. And this actually like, gives himself the delay on it. And it's just really, really cool. And again, it's listening to it. It just it feels so fucking dangerous. It feels so outlaw. It feels like I just remember before I'd ever even seen Clutch live, hearing this song and just imagining. Like to be fair, Neil Fallon, it's quite a normal looking dude. Like, yeah, you know, he's got a big beard. Very, just nice. a, beard, a bloke with a big beard and a t-shirt. Like, just a you know, normal dude. Yeah. yeah, just a normal looking dude. If you played someone this song, I mean, you would think, like, some snake-hipped leather trouser wearing Stetson, like, chewing on a fucking, with, like, swinging his hips around holding a bottle of Jack down. Like, it feels dangerous, and it feels cool. It feels like, I mean, there's there's a reason why they get played on, like, Sons of Anarchy. Yes. Because it just feels, like, so perfect, and they're, they're so evocative of, like... Danger, and I, I remember hearing this and being like, Wow, man, they're not just like a sort of like because I'd got Elephant Riders before, right? And Elephant Riders is much more of a like, Oh, no, 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 there's like, you yeah. know, it's a wicked, wicked, wicked yeah. album, but it feels a bit more chilled. <laughs> Whereas this suddenly was like, Oh, man, you know, like he's he's a fucking badass, like this dude is a proper, proper badass, and um,
1: that badassery really came to the fore with Pure rock Fury, I think, yeah definitely. Like, That's proper. the first
0: time where it properly was. A thing and mm-hmm. I remember hearing this and being like Ugh. and then the next track is um uh careful, careful that with mic, mic. Yeah. so you know
1: yeah. I love the way that he mentions uh Bombay Wichita and Liverpool in yeah. this song <laughs> it's just fantastic yeah. um well my I final know, folks in Wichita, Wichita. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, in a way, I, in a way, I want Neil Fallon to listen to this. But in a way, if if he ever does listen to this, I apologize that, that we keep we don't, it's just very <laughs> it's it's very
0: sinc- hard to not copy sincere.
1: You know, is flattery. I promise Definitely. you. Um, but in this case, but um, my final pick has been somewhat spoiled by myself. Sorry, mate. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it was my fault. Um, X-ray vision's the opening track, yeah. uh, the uh, opening song, because there's that weird one minute. Blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Well, this is... Um,
0: uh, down and get to the conversation but, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um again mainly just because of i so we talk about in the interview um neil's love of um 50s sci-fi and kind of like conspiracy theories and all that kind of jazz and like this is just a wonderful evocative i mean he's he's referenced those things so many yeah. times throughout classic- Clutch's career, but this is one of those times where he just does it brilliantly. Yeah. Um and the video goes with it fantastically as well. Um just like like uh before I could um next thing that I did was tap out Morse code with a wooden nickel on the receiver of the phone. Before I could complete it, I was completely overtaken by the angry spirits of Ronald and Nancy Reagan. <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: so great that ah! is great. And I'll tell you what, the way he chews by the angry spirits of uh, Ronald, Ronald and Nancy Reagan. Reagan. Do, 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 do. Oh, it's so Dynamite. good. Yeah, I totally would. delicate <laughs> <laughs> Psychic Warfare is real. Yeah, so good. And the one of the coolest bits in that song? Yeah. And, I know what you're gonna do. And on a drum. <laughs> Gemini and the drum, like and everyone on bass guitar, we have Pisces <laughs> on lead guitar, Aries. And every time he says the instrument, they bring the yeah, instrument up yeah, in the mix, which yeah, is fucking yeah. great. And you listen to that in the headphones, it's like, wow, that I mean, it is so meticulous in how brilliant it is. And on the microphone, Scorpio, <laughs> <laughs> it's eluded, like. It's alluded, like It's ludicrous. I remember playing Clutch to someone once who was like, oh, I like rock music, but I don't like this heavy metal shit that you listen to. And I played them Clutch and they were like, this is stupid. And they just thought it was stupid. It was like, this is genius. They just thought it was stupid. And I was like, "You're you're you're a moron. I think they're stupid. I think they're fucking
1: stupid. Um... I also love the last verse, which is last thing I remember. I was covered by the ruins. I don't know who's to blame for that, but I know who didn't do it. With every day that passes, it keeps on getting stranger, but that really doesn't bother me because I get off on the danger. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, yes, it's so amazing. It, it, again, just his rhythm, his way with words, the fact that he obviously adores words in the way that like Oscar Wilde loved words, and the way that like Charles Bukowski loved words, and like all this stuff. I just. I think that stuff is incredibly important yeah. into shaping him him into who he is and what he does.
0: Yeah. Uh my last pick is, as you mentioned before, is from Blast Tyrant. Um, mm. as you it should be. I think that is the best clutch yeah. record. Yeah. Um we do, a, of, we definitely both agree on yeah, that. Yeah, of of a very, very, very high standard yep. sort of, of albums that they've put out over many years. Uh Cypress Grove. Mm-hmm. Again, like Badassery, we we're talking about that before. Um, Sheriff Jackson went out the oh, back, and yeah. now his daughters all dressed in black.
1: All dressed in
0: black. I mean, it's not just the delivery; it's not just the way that he comes in over. I mean, I got to say, like, I know it's meant to be about Neil Fanning, but JP Gaster's drumming on that song, that boom boom, that little bit at the start just fucking kills. That like just sets that song up so perfectly, yeah. and then the guitar, that bad la la da, 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 da. And as soon as Neil Fallon comes in with that, all right. Yeah. Like you just, it just, there is, it is dripping, oozing, saturated in cool, in swagger, that song. And when he says, I mean, that line is just the killer line that Sheriff Jackson went out the back and now his daughter's all dressed in black. It's such a fucking brilliant, brilliant line because it doesn't actually explicitly say yeah what's going on yeah 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 but, but you can figure it out but yeah yeah it's like it doesn't explicitly say it but it's just so obvious and it's so like
1: oh it's kind but of about it, badass women as well this yeah. song and i love how i just love that sense of it like it, i think
0: you don't go home Exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's just, it's one of the best songs on one of their best albums, isn't it? Cypress yeah. Grove, it's fucking incredible.
0: Fucking brilliant. So there you go, that's our top five. Just a little quick rundown of uh, of our love and a few impressions. Of yeah, what, of Apol- apologies, apologies, Mr. Fallon, I do apologize. <laughs> but, um, um, I hope you've enjoyed this special. Yeah, uh,
1: let us know what songs we've missed because we've missed fucking loads. Yeah, we only, only have five. There are too well. We're not many. Being, don't be ridiculous. Uh, me, like but yeah, well. we'd love to know what you think as well. Yeah, um, so, for sure. So
0: find us at Riot.com. Act Riot under, underscore uh, pod, right Act Act Riot Act underscore Podcast. Fuck sake! Just type in right Act Just until right that right come up, and uh, we'll be back at the on Friday with a normal show, Indeed. and we'll be back with more specials coming from the likes of Partway Drive, love, Devon Townsend. Townsend. Uh, and other people, and <laughs> <laughs> who are less important. Um, but yes, uh, this is our. We'll do much more stuff on Clutch, I'm sure, over the years. But oh, God what yeah. a lovely thing to be able to have Neil Fallon yeah. on the show. Yep. Lovely, lovely thing. It was legendary. It was fantastic. Wonderful. Cheers.